Welcome to Packet Pushes Heavy Networking. In today's sponsored show, we're diving into Cisco Thousand Eyes. We are discussing some of the many features that Thousand Eyes has been added in the last six months or so. I, I consider Thousand Eyes as primarily an operational tool based on visibility and observability of public and private networks. And from its roots in monitoring the internet, using probes and BGP data monitoring and collection, and some pretty sophisticated mathematics, to be honest. So you could know why the internet is broken. Thousand Eyes has continued to grow and evolve the product into many more complex operational areas. So the three that we're going to be talking about today are AWS network path enrichments, WebEx performance monitoring, and deep Meraki integration. The product just does so much more now than it did in the past. Today's guests are Prab Singh, he's a Director of Product Management, and Brian Tabir, Lead Technical Marketing Engineer. Let's get straight into the discussion. One aspect of Thousand Eyes operational focus is workflow. So Prab, what do we mean by workflow and how do people use them to, in your words, assure the digital experience? Thanks, Greg. I think a lot of the times when we, when we talk about workflows, what we're really trying to do is help all of our network administrators, the NOC teams, the SOC teams, help them see the right information at the right time. Because uh, at the end of the day, as you know, as networks are changing, as office environments are changing to hybrid work, that the application environments are changing, there's need around a single plane of class. And it's something we've all heard for many, many years. And that's, that's really tough to do. Uh, there's very few products out in the market that can do it all. And the approach that we've taken from the beginning at Thousand Eyes is how do we help customers see the data where they need to? And as now we've been part of Cisco and also outside of Cisco, try to create workflows that allow the thousand specific data contextualized and seen in the context of the problem or the context of what that particular administrator needs to see. Okay, so let me ask some just some clarifying questions on that. So what you're saying is a workflow is sort of saying there are things that we know that everybody does. So why not do a little piece of micro automation? Is that what a workflow is like a micro automation to say this is something that everybody does? Or is this more saying we know that the operational tooling around IT needs to do these things over and over, so we'll build dashboards for them? Yeah, it's it's more than dashboards. It's it's dashboarding, it's alerting, it's automation. It's correlation, mm. and it, it's looking at some of the data sets together. Mm. Um, so, for example, you know, on dashboarding, there are certain things that customers expect out of the box, and many, many customers, as we know across the enterprise, almost every customer is somewhat of a snowflake in, in their use cases and, and the customized use cases that they need. And so, the workflows are really about how do we enable sort of a Swiss Army knife set of use cases where we build out capabilities for mm. thousandized data to be seen across other workflows, but then continuing to also do this out of the box based upon sort of this, you know, 90% use case that we can see across a set of enterprise customers as we see this over time. Right. So what, I think what you're saying there is that there's a, got a lot of common use cases, which you would have addressed when maybe a year ago, but as you get more mature and you've got more time to develop a product, you're building new features that address more of the spectrum of what customers need from an observability tool for networks. Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, Meraki MX, right? We look at, obviously, Thousand Eyes is part of the Cisco family now, and you've got some new integrations in the Meraki MX. Now, that's not something that you would have been able to do before because you weren't part of Cisco, but now you are. You're actually putting agents into the Meraki MX so that Thousand Eyes can now, well, you tell me. One of the big reasons when we became part of Cisco, we wanted to partner with the Meraki team mm. is Meraki is well known for their cloud managed uh, IT environment 
that's simple to use. Mm -hmm. And they're especially strong across like sectors like retail and hospitality and other large distributor environments or manufacturing, warehousing, et cetera. Mm. And if you actually look back to the story of Thousand Eyes and you look back to like 2015 and one of the, the first user conferences that Thousand Eyes had in San Francisco, one of our first speakers was actually Cisco IT. And Cisco IT was going through a Salesforce migration at that time. And there was some weird performance issues that they couldn't see with the existing tool sets. And the Cisco IT team can got a POC thousand at that time. We used 20 sites as like a pilot phase. We discovered a asymmetric routing problem between one of the main Cisco offices and the Salesforce data centers where the app was uh, being served out of. And then the challenge was, well, now that this POC has gone really well and we've seen the Salesforce problem, we'd want to do this across 800 sites. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we realized is for, since Thousand has always been a software solution, mm -hmm. we always have to partner with hardware vendors to be everywhere our customers need to be. And that essentially became one of the big reasons we then became part of Cisco is because we saw this opportunity where the Thousand agent footprint or our telemetry can be gathered from various footprints. Yeah. And with Meraki, this was even more interesting because Meraki is completely cloud managed and Thousand Eyes is a full SaaS delivered service. And so this allowed us the ability to effectively make it very simple um, to adopt, so essentially make Meraki edge networks. So these are MX devices, yep. Thousand Eyes Aware. So hang on, you said Thousand Eyes Aware. What do you mean? Put an agent in there? Yeah. The first step is put an agent in there so that customers can can see data from those yeah. those everywhere in MX lies. The future and, and how it is about cloud orchestration, being able to be intelligent about what tests you recommend, mm -hmm. being able to tie those tests to real user traffic traversing across those MXs. Mm -hmm. So there's this great opportunity because we are cl both cloud managed services to be able to make that correlation much easier for customers and do it much faster with using like the, the development cycles that we have and using a cloud dashboard to be able to do that. So I think what I'm hearing is that now that you're part of Cisco, you can go to Meraki MX, put your agent inside of it, and then the whole part of the feature set that you've got um, is now that you're able to use that as a, a telemetry node or a, a, you know, a node that's saying, uh, this device is passing traffic at this volume. Now, this would be, I don't know, I want to think that the best use case that you could talk about is SD-WAN because Meraki is really successful SD-WAN product for Cisco. And if you've got to manage sites that are running over, say, the public WAN, which is the internet, but you want to know if the SD-WAN is performing, this is where it's especially useful. Yeah. I think that if you look at the MX, you know, where specifically the initial, you know, partners with Meraki is around this, the MX devices, and they have SD-WAN feature sets that Meraki has used to be able to better route traffic. There's a lot of customers that also just use direct internet. Mm -hmm. or internet over VPN, you know, that traditionally have been used to go out to a data center to get to a cloud. And in that case, it's been really useful to be able to simply use like a wizard-like workflow within your Meraki dashboard. Uh, what, the, what we did was actually use a Meraki dashboard. And if you're a Meraki user today, mm -hmm. you can go into the dashboard. You can, If you're not an existing customer, you can just click a button that says, says try thousand eyes. And that gives you 90 days worth of free capacity to yeah. try out thousand mm -hmm. eyes. And it cloud orchestrates the deployment of the agent, will walk you through a template type wizard to, that tells you what tests you should create 
And then the data that is being collected is also going to be presented back into the Meraki dashboard for you to be at least get started as a Meraki user. So you've really simplified that. That's a real change because Thousand Eyes, not that Thousand Eyes was ever difficult to use, but it was always took a while to sort of get it up to speed to make it start, you know, to make that visibility and telemetry telling you something useful. But now what you've done is, you know, in this particular case with the Meraki, you've actually just, the whole onboarding process has gotten a lot simpler. Yeah, we timed this, by the way, because when we initially launched uh, our POC, this capability, we took our San Francisco office and, mm. you know, right next to the Chase Center in San Francisco, and, and we put the, the thousand eyes agents across the MXs in that environment. And it took us three minutes to deploy, you right. know, 25 sites worth of locations and that are collecting data within the Meraki dashboard. Okay. The other thing I also want to say, as you, you kind of mentioned, like, you know, it's, it's always been somewhat difficult in Thousand Eyes to get up and running. Yeah. And that partly was by design from the early days because we wanted to build a solution that you can use to measure any app and any network. And by virtue of that, you almost built, we almost built like a Swiss army knife. So you can customize your applications, customize what types of tests you want to run. Well, I mean, the thing is that Thousand Eyes came from that sort of service provider monitoring the internet. You know, if you wanted to get visibility into what was happening in the internet, that was not something small to medium networks were going to to use, right? So the fact that you've now found an opportunity to present it to the small SME market, which is where Meraki, you know, does very well, and even the medium to large these days, means that you have to match where the customers are going. Yeah, exactly. And I think... You know, customers just simply want a, a simple way to turn on telemetry and not have to understand what's happening under the hood, even though we're happy to get into the details of this because we're all network nerds here, right? And so we can tell you how it's done. I think the better way to look at this is that when you turn on telemetry, you don't have month, like you don't have a lot of time to sit down and work with telemetry. You've got a lot of other things going on inside of your organization. And turning on telemetry has to show its value. It takes time to learn what this telemetry means and how to extract value. So for example, let me give you an example here. Here's one question I wanted to ask. What's the difference between real-time visibility, which is something Thousand Eyes talks a lot about, and non-real-time visibility, and why does it matter? The way we've typically looked at it is like proactive versus reactive. And I think even the term proactive is a bit of a like a misnomer. Mm. Like proactive doesn't mean we can somehow predict the future, right? And, and tell you what's going to happen in, in five days time. Although we can look at statistical trends. That's what WAN Insights does. It looks mm. at statistical trends and what's most likely to happen. What we mean by proactive, and I'll give this, and this kind of hit me about a few years ago when I was working with a customer. Um, they're a, a big like online, you know, you know, those, those companies, I can't take their name, but mm. you know, the, one of those companies that gives you like a monthly subscription of like clothing that arrives at your doorstep every uh -huh. month. Mm -hmm. So there's this, this company that does it in San Francisco and they have a big warehouse and uh, the warehouse uh, needs to be operating 24 seven. If the warehouse goes down, even for like 30 minutes, they aren't able to ship a package for a customer that day uh -huh. and a set of customers. And um, there's only a, three hours in a day between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. when the warehouse essentially shuts down and then they come back in the next day. Right. And um, the one of the days when we were doing a POC with them, there was a large problem with one of their ISPs essentially black holing traffic at around like 5 a.m. in the morning. Right. And yeah. what we were able to send out an alert within, you know, depending upon our SLAs and how, how frequently you're running the test, it can be as quick as about a one minute when we can send out a notification out to the respective knock teams or the on-call teams. And they're able to look at that problem, fix it before the staff got in 
in the office at 6 a.m. Mm. and you're able to essentially make sure that production operations were never impacted. And that's what we really mean by proactive is like, how can we help you minimize impact or even completely not have any impact on your production operations by not looking at real user traffic? Because if you looked at real user traffic, you actually would see no traffic between 3 and 6 a.m. because yeah. no one's in the office or no one's in the warehouse. So you would never know that there was a problem that, that impacted you. And, and imagine that at 6 a.m., like workers came in and they can't operate a particular yeah, machine. Yeah, you can't monitor transactions that aren't being transacted. So you don't exactly. know if something's gone wrong in the out time. This is why end of month, like uh, a lot of the times we still see end of month batch processing of accounting. And all of a sudden things happen at the end of the month that don't happen for the rest of the month. And then you get a call saying something's wrong. And of course, something changed three weeks ago uh, somewhere in the system and you've got to unwind it and try and unpick what went wrong. I guess that leads me to asking a question about the Meraki MX routers. Can I monitor SaaS applications from the Meraki devices? Are those actually full digital experience uh, where they can say, I want to monitor Salesforce from this Meraki MX? So the, the idea I have here is if, you know, if I'm on an SD-WAN and I want to access my Salesforce instance and bypass the SD-WAN overlay and go directly out to the internet, can I do that with Thousand Eyes? So the way it works on the Meraki MX site right now is you can you have this agent, you go through the wizard-like workflow, you you talk about what apps you want to set it up against. These are you know well-known SaaS applications that we create templates for that not just create them the telemetry, but also the dashboards and alerts with it. Uh-huh. And in the future, what you'll be able to do is pick what you know MX outgoing port you want to send traffic from. Right. So typically most MXs have two WAN circuits that the SD-WAN is, is tunneled over. And so you'll be able to pick which one you'd like to send your traffic over so you can get the underlay visibility. And we'll right. take care of like what's happening under the hood, how the, the agent is networked underneath it. So you, you're actually going on uh, over the underlay. And then you'll have a sort of a default network path that can take just as any user would on that network. Because in reality, what happens is when you do an SD-WAN and you've got two sites at a branch or redundant like you know, redundant internet connections and even redundant devices, you've actually got four possible paths. You've got the two underlay providers and then the two overlay networks, and you actually want to test all four. And that's what you're saying there is you're actually able to test all four. Yes. You need to be able to understand if there's a particular overlay path that's seeing a degradation in performance. And maybe that's only seeing a degradation in performance to Workday. Uh, but not to Salesforce. Why did that happen? And a lot of the times, you know, SD-WAN should, if you have an application-specific policy set up, they should be able to like automatically route you to the best, you know, path for yeah. that gives you the best possible performance for that app at that given time. But we've also realized over over time that most customers aren't fully configured to leverage the application policies because they're custom and they're hard to configure. And so can we actually give you the data set to be able to understand what's happening underlay that impacts your overlay that allows you to actually better set up these policies over time and then be able to understand if there's a policy, if there's an underlay problem, you you can't actually change the policy very much. It's not going to impact your, your actual DDM. Yeah. One of the topics we wanted to talk about here was WebEx Room OS devices. Now, maybe start off a bit and just for people who don't know what a room, WebEx Room OS device is, just very quickly tell me about it and then tell me why Thousand Eyes is doing something with that. Yeah, great question. So a RoomOS device is essentially a uh, hardware optimized version. So RoomOS is the operating system or firmware that it'll run. It's just an experience to let you, instead of connecting from your laptop, you can connect from a desk device, conference room. Mm. Uh, so there's specific you know, devices that'll work for WebEx. 
and the integration here, and it's kind of similar to what Prav was just talking to you about, how we leverage the relationship with Cisco. And really the integration here is the ability to monitor the experience of users, whether it's at home, if I have a desk pro on my desk, or if I'm in a conference room to monitor that experience, that connection between the endpoint and then the actual WebEx cloud services to see if I'm having you know, an ISP issue along the way or you know, local machine issues or, or uh, you know, anything in between, we can then detect those. Now that's important because these devices, these video conferencing stands, you know, with the screen and the microphone and the camera and all that sort of stuff sits in a meeting room and people disconnect them all the time or mistreat them generally. And maybe it's connected to Wi-Fi, maybe it's hardwired. When you need to know a whole bunch of things. You need to know is it still connected? Did somebody, you know, wheel it off to another room sometimes? And what you also need to know is, especially if it's using wireless, is it streaming correctly? Because it's so easy for these device people to blame the devices if things go wrong. Am I in the right train here? Like, is it this sort of, these room devices need to be cared for and they're very hard to get tech support. Like if you're a help desk operator, how do you troubleshoot one? Yeah, absolutely. And you're spot on. And two things come to mind when you said that. So first is the ability to monitor these natively now, because before, if you wanted to do some sort of experience monitoring, it was deploying a secondary piece of hardware in that location, conference room, wherever to monitor the connection, because a lot of times these uh, purpose-built uh, communication tools don't have that ability built in that'll give you those detailed thousand eyes metrics. So that's one. Then the second part is exactly what you were saying around actual hardware uh, metrics. So things like Wi-Fi statistics or CPU and memory. So that having that agent on the device can actually tell us, is it something like you were just saying, a bad Wi-Fi connection or, you know, networks, you know, not working on that end, or is the CPU usage really high? Or is it an ISP issue along the way? So that's the cool part about it is that agent can give us both the the hardware device level telemetry as well as run those network tests like any other thousandized agent. Now, I assume, again, this is this agent technology that you've developed. You know, we already talked about it in the, in the MX, but you're actually putting it inside of the WebEx Room OS. Yeah, exactly. So this is based off the endpoint agent, and which has seen a lot of uptick in usage around, obviously, you know, with, with remote work and things during COVID. Uh, we had a lot of users that are starting to install that on their machine so they can get that same, you know, network telemetry and understanding what that connection looks like. So it, it piggybacks on that hmm. as well as the ability to run, we have called automated session tests, and these are really cool. So this actually helps with reducing config overhead. So you basically just tell it, I want to monitor WebEx or I want to monitor Zoom, you know, whatever the communication services mm. and it will automatically map the destinations that a user goes to so as soon as you spin up a zoom meeting or a webex meeting it will map those destinations and figure out which cloud endpoints it's hitting so as me as an administrator i don't have to go in and manually define you know all the different urls that that it could possibly be hitting it will do that automatically and then to your point this is now built into the room os firmware so it's not a separate install all you know all yeah. you have to do yeah. is just activate it within webex control hub and you're good to go now, and then this really changes the way that you could manage these, like at a help desk level, because you can instantly click through to the device from a help desk tool. Once somebody says you're in meeting room such and such, and here's my box, and no doubt there's a sticker on the outside calling it a device name or something, the help desk can go straight in here and say, oh, I can see that there's a Wi-Fi signal problem or, you know, yep. yes, I can agree there's something wrong with this or not as the case may be it may be saying the room os is working perfectly it's the person at the other end 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And what's cool about that too, is you have the ability to actually, like you said, go into those metrics and they're, they're shown alongside of the WebEx call stats. So not only do you see audio and video codecs and quality, the things they would, you know, help desk would normally see, but now you actually see a network path indicator. So you can figure out, you know, was it, you know, was, was my experience green, yellow, or red basically. And then you can view a hop by hop path visibility of what that actual connection looked like. So yeah, it's definitely a huge tool for help desks. If someone calls in and is having some trouble, gives them some, you know, a whole lot more visibility than they had before. Now, of course, WebEx Rumor is a SaaS service. It's it's hosted in the cloud, runs over the public WAN or the internet availability. So this means that you're, to get end-to-end path availability, you're actually saying you're using your uh, awareness of the public WAN, your probes and your visibility tooling that you've got there, which a lot of people still use ThousandEyes just to monitor the internet, right? Is this up? Is this BGP flapping, that sort of stuff. But you're saying you now can monitor the whole path of a, of a WebEx session wherever it goes on the internet. Exactly. And, and yeah, and, and so that endpoint agent tests that connection. And, you know, a lot of collaboration services, WebEx included, have different endpoints. So video and voice and, you know, whiteboarding, and it connects to different uh, IPs hosted, you know, in different places. So it, it maps those out automatically. And then, yeah, it grabs that connection. So it knows uh, literally like, you know, like a, a trace route on steroids, right? It knows hop by hop mm, all the yeah. way up to where, where it's going. And it will tell you exactly where in that path uh, th- there was an issue. So it's, yeah. And it'll it's, also tell you service provider, right? It went exactly, from yep. this broadband service provider to this backbone service provider, this, oh, hang on, that backbone service provider is broken, you know. Yeah, and what's super cool about that too is we have the ability to create these share links. So you can actually create a snapshot of the data you're seeing. And we have customers all the time who actually share that with their ISP or service provider to show them there was an issue on this day. Maybe it violated SLA. Hey, maybe here's how we can improve the path because you know this is where Thousand Eyes saw the actual issue. And it's really invaluable for those providers as well that they can get that kind of visibility and understand where you know where customers might be having challenges with that traffic. That is the most fun feature of Thousand Eyes that I know of, which is set. You can pull out the you know literally load the bullets into the blame gun and go here you go, Mister Service Provider. I can see that it's you. Can't deny it. <laughs> Can't deny it, right? Here's the data that it's you. And uh, exactly. potentially there's some opportunities there for some rebates on your service provider bill, potentially, if it's really that bad. Like, And if you are attempting to you know, resolve ongoing problems with your internet provider, this is a way to maybe get some data there as well as solve a bunch of other problems at the same time. Are there other examples of that inside of the Thousand Eyes products today? That's a, that's an example of a workflow that click to data, you know, click to share data. Are there other examples of that that we should think about? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think a lot of times we'll, we, we've seen a lot of customers uh, with like migrations is definitely one of them. So migrating from to, you know, on-prem to a cloud provider or between cloud providers, you know, we'll see, we see a lot of times where they'll actually take those snapshots and then bring them to the providers or bring them to, you know, uh, folks that are managing that actual migration to actually show the data, show what the improvement was or show, you know, where there may be uh, connection pain points along the way. So we, we definitely have seen, you know, a lot of customers using it for, for migration purposes as well. Mm. I want to shift the discussion. Now, one of the topics, Brian, that you raised as we were preparing for this was open telemetry. Now, I haven't heard a lot about open telemetry lately, so let's probably start with a quick overview of what open telemetry is and then why I should care. Yeah, absolutely. So open telemetry is a great way to, well, first of all, so open telemetry is an industry standard uh, format for uh, for data, for telemetry data, like Thousand Eyes network data, many other systems and tools also can create this data. So, uh, you know, a standard format for it so that, you're not having to to parse through uh, proprietary formats as well as a protocol for actually collecting that data. So us as a platform, Thousand Eyes can use OpenTelemetry to push out that data 
to a collector that you as a customer might be running on-prem or, or in a cloud as well. Um, so that's what OpenTelemetry does. And I think the, you know, the real value of it is all the, all of what we've just been talking about here, all the data that we're collecting, well, now we can stream that out to a centralized place where you can then bring in data from other providers, from other collectors, from other tools right. that you're using and get a full view, not just what did the network look like, but, you know, holistically, what did the actual application, what did the user experience look like? Because now I can have those all together. Well, I think this is a realization that the future of visibility and observability, you know, and that telemetry is not necessarily every one of the agents out there is going to be a thousand eyes agent. It's not yep. everything's going to be room OS or you know, Meraki MX or you allow or Cisco IOS with a thousand eyes agent installed. And so, you know, the list is endless, right? What you might be wanting to say is, well, I've got an exist, a bunch of existing telemetry collectors in my network and maybe they're routers who they could just export telemetry data, but in an open telemetry format. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, you know, an interesting part about it is I think as we get more data that we're able to use, I think our queries can be a little bit different and we may want to use different data at different times and it arms you with the ability to do that. If I have this giant pool of data, I can come up with an ad hoc query that says I want to use thousand eyes network metrics plus XYZ from some other tool. Some files or some security appliances and things. Yeah. Yeah, and I have that at my disposal, right? So now that I've collected all this data and it's all together, I can use that. Whereas before if I didn't maybe didn't have a test set up or I wasn't looking at that one specific thing, I, I may not be able to do that. So I think we're finding, uh, you know, giving customers a lot of value with being able to use that data however they want to use it. Now, I guess the other yeah. side of this is that there are people out there who want to use Thousand Eyes to talk to another visibility platform. They might have some other tool that is doing more than just network visibility. There is a, you know, an application monitoring tool that they might want to suck. Is there, is this sort of an open telemetry interface from Thousand Eyes to other tools? Yeah, I mean, so it's a standard uh, protocol and, and you know, streaming. So if you want to use that data wherever you want, you're, you're definitely welcome to do that. And I think mm -hmm. there's there's definitely a lot of value in doing it that way. Um, and, I, you know, I think the the ability to, to export that out and also so we have a lot of intelligence around, uh, you know, outage data as well. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to use that thousand nice data, you know, yeah, in wherever you wherever you'd like to, that's definitely, you know, in aim of this. Yeah, I think it's the realization that Thousand Eyes is a pretty all-encompassing product, but that does not mean that there are not other tools inside the organization that you need to feed the telemetry to or forward the telemetry to or forward the signaling to. Um, and increasingly for a lot of organizations, you know, if you've got a container stack or you've got some sort of application above this, and it's the application that matters, not, not, the, not the infrastructure, they might want to have another tool for that. And so we have to recognize that as well. But this is open. Is this like? Is there like an open telemetry foundation that people can go and find out more? Yep, there is. We can definitely link that. Um, there is a you know, and we're we're listed on there along with a bunch of other providers that have you know support for it. So yeah, mm. it's definitely a. Um, yep, you can you can check out there, and there's good docs on how to get it set up and the collector and everything. So yeah, it's it's really easy to use. And I think you know, to your point before, we're we're great at collecting data, right? We have a lot of ways to do it, and we collect really good data, but we don't know. We don't know every way a customer might want to consume that data, and so I think yeah. this really allows you to unlock, you know, all its different use cases that we may not even thought of. But now you have the data, yeah, feel I, free I'm to use. Yeah, I'm sort of I'm sort of probing <laughs> at the edges here because if you're thinking sort of in the old style, you know, you put a network monitoring tool in place and you pulled the SNMP, that was it. That was the be on and end on. And if you wanted to have a different visibility platform, you went and put a second one in and it did its own polling. You don't want that. You don't want your devices 
being polled by multiple platforms. You want one stream of telemetry coming in, but that also implies that the platform that's receiving it can forward it on to other tools if needed. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that's 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 exactly it. And that's where the, the importance of kind of that architecture comes from. So if you look at the open telemetry architecture and, and the nice part for us is we're just streaming it out and then that collector can push it to whatever platform you want to ingest it. And it can be multiples, like you said. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't, yeah, whatever, wherever you want to send it, it can now and, send and it. And the to. same applies the other way. You could put thousand eyes on top of some other tool using open telemetry as well. Definitely good ways to use it. Mm. All right, Prab, I want to come on to uh, our next set of topics here, which is the Thousand Eyes event detection, which is, and you've described it here as new auto detection of meaningful incidents. We, we talked about Thousand Eyes being a Swiss army knife and collecting a lot of data, and we generate a lot of alerts. And I think all of us that operate networks know that we get way too many alerts all the time. And the alert information that's typically provided may or may not be useful for whoever's looking at it. So if you have a knock engineer that's mm. looking at an alert, it may mean something else. And the action they take from that alert is different than what a level three uh, troubleshooter uh, or a network admin might do. So the idea with, with event detection was one, how can we make it easier for folks that are not network experts to understand the domain of the problem? Right. So is this, an, is this a network problem? Is this a server problem? is this a DNS problem or it's none of the above? It's something related to the agent itself where everything running from that agent is now having an issue right. that could point to maybe something related to the agent. And what we realized over the years is, you know, based on our learning system, it's very custom. You can set up specific thresholds. You're, you can enter exactly what you need, but a lot of customers just to get started need an automated way to tell them where's the problem and how big of a problem is it? Because even if there is a problem, and let's say it's a network problem, the knock engineer needs to know, is this something they need to jump on right now? Or can it wait you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes for you to triage? And if it's going to go away it's on its own in 30 minutes anyway, and it's one in a, in a month or once yeah. in two months, do I really need to spend time on this? Because I've got more important things to do. Sometimes a problem ignored is a problem solved, right? Yeah, exactly. It's funny because talking to customers to come up with this idea, they customers tell us like across all their alarms, roughly half of their alarms just go unnoticed. Yeah. And they go on their own. Yeah, the world doesn't need more alerts. Too many alerts just ends up to, to alert fatigue and then people start watching it. And so you end up getting into event management or event filtering or event detection. But you're basically saying that you've gone down that path. You've got some sort of intelligence so trying to pick out meaningful incidents so that the help desk just just get flooded with cases of of problems that actually aren't problems exactly yeah and the way we we did this and and we realized we were sitting on a wealth of information that isn't being used to the most efficient manner by our customers can we provide more value by the from the data we're already collecting for our customers and help them scale their deployments and yet know that they're getting the most out of their deployments. So and there's a theme and, coming through here. One of them is this is this time to value. One of the things that you talked about right at the very top of the show, and now you're basically saying again is, and you know we talked about it heavily in the Meraki section, is that people who don't have unlimited time where visibility and observability is not a full-time job, they can turn this on and get started and then tune it as and when time and resources become available. Uh, rather than sort of saying, congratulations, now you have to spend six months tuning this and get to get value out of it. That's not the way we work these days. 
Not at all. And the way events does this, and it's it's really interesting because we we did by the way, we did we did like large scale outage detection across internet insights already, right? And so we we look at all of the data across all our customers, anonymize any private information, look at the public data set, and then look at large scale internet outages. What we realize we essentially need to minimize this and make it customer specific for a customer and talk about anomalies. And the way we did this, and we extended the concept of internet insights more in, in the way we we detect problems and then we also uh, suggest the, the domain of the problem mm-hmm. is effectively we would baseline every metric across your your data set, across right. your thousands of data set. Yeah. We look at what's noisy, we filter out the noise. There's a dampening algorithm as part of that. Then we look at what the the sort of the, the scope of the problem is, we associate a suspect cause, and then we do further analysis to understand can we with with meaningful do we have one do we have meaningful data and do, do can we actually tell you is this a server problem or network problem a DNS problem or an agent problem? This is that's a workflow like we were talking about earlier, but this is now a workflow applied to event detection in a way. Yeah, exactly. So now if you're a knock engineer you have very clear indication on how you should triage a problem. And if we can make that process, that workflow easier for our knock engineers, we are now helping essentially democratize access to the thousand eyes data set to a, a broader set of individuals so you can get more value out of it quickly. So what you're basically talking about here is a, is a marketing headline, faster insights. You can get to useful insights showing value from the product quicker Another example of this is Thousand Eyes AWS Network Path Enrichment. Now, we talked about this before in a previous show, but I think we should cover it again. What is Network Path Enrichment in context of AWS? The backstory to this and how we, we got started here, uh, over the last three years that we've been part of Cisco now, we've Thousand Eyes as an, as an application has fully become cloud native. Uh, we used to have initially, you know, five, seven years ago, we had our own data centers, partly because we didn't want to be, have the same blast radius at our customers because they're moving to yeah. the cloud, we're moving to SaaS apps. And we realized if we are also in the cloud, and if there's a problem in that particular region due to power outage, the customers not only lose visibility, but they also lose access to their apps. And that's like a bit called double mm-hmm. dependency. But over time, as we've scaled over the last three years, we've carefully created a multi-region environment across AWS that allows us to not have, you know, these dependencies across customers, but then also gave us the flexibility to grow and grow across globally. Now, what that's meant though, is we've always tried to use Thousand Eyes on our own kind of product. So we dog food Thousand Eyes, we use it for SLA monitoring, our ops team uses it to understand if there's problems accessing our app, and then, you know, folks triage that problem and and the on-call staff response to that. And we realized as we become cloud native, so you know, microservice-based architecture using Kubernetes in the cloud, using global accelerator to reduce the time it takes for you know a user in India to connect to our app, even though it's hosted in San Jose or Frankfurt. What we are now doing is we realize we don't have enough visibility in Thousand Eyes to understand our own cloud environment. And when you look at a path visualization, and let's say you know, a user in India goes across, you know, uh, Geo or Reliance, and then eventually gets into, you know, Tata and Telia, and then goes into this app. When you enter the AWS network, you realize there's a lot of white nodes. And a white node is effectively an unknown node in the Thousand Eyes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. product. And the reason it's unknown is because 
uh, this also applies to Google and, and Azure, by the way, uh, and most cloud providers, they're, they're highly virtualized. Yeah, and you've got no visibility into what their network looks like. It's just your packet mysteriously goes up. You know, angels collect your packets and carry them across their backbone. Yeah, it's mostly a black box for most of us, right, that operate cloud networks. And we, we've also realized that the traditional techniques we've used to understand what paths we're taking across the cloud environments, uh, we cannot use in the cloud environments, but we can use it on the on-prem networks and internet networks. And so path enrichment is really about giving customers more visibility across and into cloud networks. And AWS is our first partner on that. And the way we're doing this is one, we, we are using some public data sources that AWS provides. And then we're also using a private data source that we're getting from AWS right. networking that allows us to better identify the demarcation point between the internet and AWS and better identify, uh, for example, a global accelerator node what that's serving up your traffic and whether that is uh, the best possible you know, response time expected from that edge node from that particular client location. And we're getting that directly from an AWS API endpoint that we pull in real time. Now that you've got this information, what is it that I can actually see in the, about the AWS network path? Can I actually see in the Thousand Eyes dashboard, oh, this part of the network is broken? Or am I saying where I cross from VPC to VPC or where I go into a transit gateway? Is it selling me that these these are the performance points because getting to the control points or is it just more capable than that? What's the, what's the level of visibility? So one, we are able to better identify the demarcation point between the internet and AWS um, that allows you to see this is essentially the Comcast peering point with AWS in Virginia. And we're able to like enrich that particular piece of information with the location, with which ISV belongs under, and be able to also understand um, which service it belongs to. So for example, this is the edge network that goes into CloudFront versus Route 53 versus AGA versus just a, a, a AWS backbone right. that's taking you into EC2 directly. You'll be able to also see specific information around global accelerators. So global accelerator is a, a service that AWS provides to reduce the time to first byte for right. your apps. Yes. Um, if you have a global set of users and then your app is hosted in a single point in the, in the world. And what we're doing is helping you understand, are you getting, is your time to first byte as optimized as it should be given your investment in AWS, in AWS right. AGA? Okay. So if, if we measure and the AGA is uh, response time is 100 milliseconds, but we can actually tell you that it should be two milliseconds, we'll tell you what which clients are being impacted, and then we can use that to raise a support case or a configuration change you do in AWS to be able to better serve users in those regions. Right. So it's quite specific. It's quite detailed, and, and you're, you're narrowing in on the service delivery side, not actually what's happening inside of AWS, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's not like I've got visibility into AWS's internal network. What I've actually got into is the visibility of the services that the network provides, so as you say, you know, those types of things. So, and the, the challenge here, of course, whenever you talk about AWS network is because it's so proprietary and so odd that it's very difficult to make, extend metaphors into there. So if this sounds like something you want, there's a bunch of good information on Thousand Eyes about this that you should definitely look out to. But I want to move on to talking to Brian about Views 2.0. Just explain to me what that is, Brian. Yeah, and this is a great follow-up to what we were talking about with OpenTelemetry. So Views 2.0 is kind of a reimagining of, uh, in our UI, how you can view the data 
from from the test that we've been talking about. And, you know, it's really based on, you know, usability and also being able to display multiple metrics within the same uh, view. So multiple tests or data from multiple agents. So basically, you know, acknowledging that there's a lot of complexity now with how how many different pieces of, you know, information we need to view and service dependencies and, you know, things like that. So it's really been re-architected to, uh, to, to try to give you a better view into to use cases like that. So really what we're saying here, refreshed UI for usability so that it's easier to read um, and also then to get data out and pass it to the users so they can do something with it. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the cool use cases here is looking at service dependency monitoring. So, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll look at an application that may, you know, loads itself just fine, but actually relies on like a third party API, like, you know, a Maps yeah. API or, or something else. So now this, this, this 2.0 view can now pull in multiple tests. So you can actually see maybe my, you know, my, my main website's working just fine, but we actually saw a different test that was trying to pull from a different API or a different service. That's the one having problems. Well, now without having to go to view three different tests and you know clicking mm-hmm. around a bunch we can now pull all that information into one and says this is the health of my specific service and here's the four components and tests that are associated with it so that's kind of the one of the goals behind it so it sounds to me like thousand eyes is still investing heavily in its product so recently for example you made a couple of acquisitions sam knows and another one is code bgp both of them were acquired by the thousand eyes unit and they're doing that i think that just sort of demonstrates that you're still innovating still growing and you're willing to go out and buy companies to keep that going. Do you want, Prab, do you want to explain that a little bit more? Yeah, it, it goes back to the roots of Thousand Eyes. You know, Thousand Eyes was born out of internet mm-hmm. research and specifically BGP and DNS research. Um, it was a key part of understanding internet routing problems in the earlier days. It continues to be a core subset of information for our customers to mm-hmm. correlate with data plane issues, with BGP control plane problems. And this is just an extension of our commitment to ensuring we understand internet routing uh, even better. And the, the folks that are now coming on to Thousand Eyes with CodeBGP are internet researchers yeah. um, out of the University of Crete in Greece. Uh, and they've done amazing work there. And we thought that you know having their expertise around additional internet routing research will be key to continuing to improve the BGP platform and, and correlating that with the data sets that Thousand already has. Read to me like Sam knows was very big into consumer broadband. So this now means that you're increasing your telemetry into broadband devices and further expo- getting more and more data about what's actually happening on the public web. Yeah, Sam knows has built you know, an amazing platform to understand uh, last mile visibility from you know people's yep. homes mm-hmm. effectively. And, you know, the home network has become a much larger part of an enterprise network over the last few years. And Sam knows allows us to partner with them and and actually understand what's happening at the last mile, uh, not just for the service providers, which is what Sam knows has been focused on, but also extending that to the enterprise. Um, And that will be kind of our goal over the the coming years. If I could see what the last mile on your broadband is doing from a thousand eyes telemetry point of view, you can actually tell me what that last hop is doing because that um, has a high much higher chance of being the full source of a problem than the backbone or lots of other places. The actual last mile is usually the weakest link in the network. Yeah, they're likely to be oversubscribed, right? You've yeah. got, you know, let's say, a, a, you know, a, a, a specific area or, or zip code where there's not enough capacity and maybe a lot of people are working from home using assertive mm-hmm. applications and there's congestion. And 
Uh, that's typically where the congestion comes from. And uh, typically that would cause, you know, a set of tickets to be sent to our IT team. So there's two things there. I think I'm seeing Thousand Eyes is now going to be able to sell that to service providers and continue to grow. But also you're going to be able to add it to the enterprise telemetry and say, hey, we can see that that broadband provider isn't performing so well in the same way we can see it through their BGP table and forwarding data. Yeah, imagine Internet Insights, but down to a particular person's home. Well, unfortunately, that's about all the time that we have available this week. Thanks very much to Cisco Thousand Eyes for sponsoring today's show. Uh, just before we go, Brian, where can people find out more information? Because I know you're actually publishing a lot of data into the public sphere and making it available via a range of different sources. Where can people go to find out more? Yeah, so we do a lot uh, within internet visibility and outage detection. So definitely check out our Internet Report podcast, as well as our bi-weekly outage analysis shows on the Pulse blogs. And we also have our public internet outage map you can view on the Thousand Eyes website, and that'll give you details about current network and application outages that our platform is detecting. Okay, and as always, you can find links for these over on the show notes, and we've actually got you know a range of different links associated with the blog post today, where you can also find references to other shows we've done with Thousand Eyes in the last few months uh, on similar topics that might talk about it from a different point of view if you wanted to follow that up. And of course, you can always head on over to Thousand Eyes to get more information. They've got a bunch of stuff over there. And as always, thanks very much for listening to Packet Pushes and thanks to our sponsor. They allow us to be here and bringing you these fine, free technical podcasts along with a range of others. Check out many more fine podcasts on packetpushes.net. Don't forget to find us on your favorite social media. And as always, remember that too much networking would never be enough.